study God's word? Good deal. Hey guys, I want to make sure you're watching me because I'm watching you, all right? God bless you. Hey, open up your Bibles to the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew's gospel. We've been talking about understanding how the system works, and uh, we've wanted to give you some precept as to why it may be that the kingdom isn't working in your life like it needs to be, and perhaps why the Lord doesn't move like you think he ought to move. And hopefully we can give you some insight and we can give you some help in order to get uh, you to the place where you feel like God's moving in your life in a place that is uh, effective and consistent, because I want to see God's hand work in my circumstances. Amen. People get frustrated and they get irritated because they think God moves based on their sincerity, or that God moves based on their genuineness. Now, can I just say sincerity and genuineness are both wonderful qualities. If you're a sincere person, that's a wonderful quality. If you're a, uh, a genuine person, I'm glad that you're genuine in all that you do. But you need to understand that, that you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And you can be genuine, and you can be genuinely wrong. So we need to be sure that we understand that sincerity and genuineness have their place, but, but just to understand that obedience and, and proper understanding of precept and application have to come into the equation for you to begin to see God move as he wants to move in your life. And we've just been mentioning these last couple of weeks how if you will think about it, um, we understand that that doesn't work in any other area. For instance, if you buy a cell phone or you buy a laptop computer, and if you're frustrated as you begin to turn it on and work with it, and what we do is we begin to play around with it, trying to figure out how in the world to work this new piece of electronic equipment we have because it's not doing kind of what we thought it would do or we don't understand how it works, so we're just playing around with it. How many of you know that you can play around with a cell phone and you can be sincere as you play around with it? You can genuinely have a heart for your cell phone. You can have a relationship with your laptop. But you can sit there and, and, and play with it genuinely, and you'll never get it to do, so to speak, what it was designed to do in your life because it wasn't built to respond to your sincerity. It was built to respond to the application of precept that's found in the owner's manual. So the rules do not change just because it is you who are playing the machine. You can look at your cell phone and say, don't you get it? This is me. It's me that has this cell phone. Obviously, you don't see it's me that's trying to work with you right now. I understand that's how it may be with everyone else, but this is me. And that cell phone is just resolute. It's not going to respond unless you function according to its design. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of Americans do their spirituality. They develop kind of their own personalized philosophy. They develop sort of their own doctrine. If you were to ask 100 people on the street certain questions about religion or doctrine and, and whether or not they think this or that, you would probably get 100 different opinions on 100 different subjects because, by and large, in America, we have been inundated with the thought that, that God is somehow obligated to move in my life based on my sincerity or based on my genuineness. And we don't understand that God doesn't move because you're sincere. He moves because you're obedient. He's not looking just for sincerity in the earth. He's looking for obedience in the earth. But what happens is when we don't understand that, we get confused. We get frustrated. We get irritated with God. We have all sorts of people that, that say these words. Well, you know, I've prayed and I've tried praying, but praying just doesn't work for me. 
You know, I, I, I went to the church and I did the church thing and did that for a while, but it just never seemed to work for me. I tried God and gave God a shot at some things, but you know what? It doesn't seem like he really cared if he's even there. And I was disappointed and I was irritated and I was frustrated and I was confused. And we never get the point that God doesn't want to disappoint you. He doesn't want to leave you hanging. He wants to move in your life. But you've got to understand, just because you are sincere, you can be sincerely self-centered. You can be sincerely off your rocker. You can be genuinely crazy. But that doesn't mean God is obligated to move just because you feel like, well, I'm trying to be sincere. He's saying if you will understand who I am and what I ask of you and you will move into obedience, then you'll begin to see me move in your life. And the good news is that he gave us an owner's manual. Praise God. And, and he began to teach us how this thing works. And the kingdom has laws, and the kingdom has precepts, and God has his ways that he has linked himself to. And if you say to yourself, well, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like what God said there. Well, you may not like it, but God's not moved by your like or dislike. I mean, this is, he's God. And, and so if things don't work in your life like you think they ought to work because you're ignoring certain things that God said you ought not ignore, then really the only person you have to kick and be irritated with is the person you look at in the mirror every morning and so our first lesson we talked about was how one had to be born from above in order to enter into the kingdom jesus said you had to be born from above to enter into this stuff secondly last week i mean how many of you were here last week i mean was there not faith in the house last week i mean i mean you could sense faith beginning to move something in the house last week and we talked about how words Words. Words were God's tools in order to bring about his will to pass. If you, if you refuse to learn how to speak out loud God's will, God's word, if you refuse to, to articulate that which God has spoken, then you will, never, you will never see God work in your life because he has linked himself to his people speaking word. Your confession, I said, will ultimately bring possession. And finally, the lesson today, it's not really not finally, I may pick up on it here in a couple weeks, but today's lesson, I want you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. I want to read some familiar verses that have really been speaking to me this week. And, and again, I'm just trying to find little nuggets, little keys, little things that I can give you that will help you in a most basic foundational way begin to unlock some understanding and unlock some activity of God in your life that you will begin to see him move. I don't want to be irritated. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be disappointed. So if I don't want to be these things, then I need to understand what God has linked himself to and what I need to do in order to give him that opportunity to move in my life. And the lesson this morning I've entitled, listen now, a revelation of the cross brings provision. A revelation of the cross brings provision. We'll talk about this in just a second. Matthew 16, listen to this, familiar words. I want to read several verses here. Matthew 16, 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, that I the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or some of your versions will actually say hell, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, you need to underline that right there, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the rule of God. I will give you understanding as to how to see God begin to work in your life. I will give you a key right here. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. He's already, now he's starting in verse 21 to preach the gospel to him. He says, this is the gospel story right here. Verse 22, though, look what happens. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I, 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 I'm trying to get a hold of that. That, that. that someone would pull the Lord off to the side and begin to rebuke him. He said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. I'm going to stop there. A revelation of the cross brings provision. Now, Peter is sort of the central character here in this particular passage that I've read to you. And uh, most of the time when I mention the name of Simon Peter, all of us have our particular views and pictures that we put into our mind as to what he was like and who he was and all the things that he did. And I guess to sum it up, I'll just say this. Peter was a rather interesting guy. Interesting guy. Had a lot of good points and had a lot of foibles as well. He's the only person that I know of in the span of just 10 verses who can receive the greatest affirmation any human being could receive and then at the same time get the most stinging rebuke all in 10 verses can you imagine in just 10 verses he was at the top he got something nobody else got and then just nine verses later he's being called satan by jesus himself now you need to get that get a hold of this because you're going to begin to see how how kingdom things work when you understand what was going on jesus is asking his disciples some questions He's asking about what people are saying and thinking about who he is. And I want to suggest to you this morning that perhaps Jesus is asking us here in this house some of those very same questions in order to begin to understand how we can get this key. He asks them, who do men say that I am? And this is what they say. They say, well, you know, some think you're a prophet. Others think maybe you're a teacher. Some think maybe you're a philosopher. I mean, everyone knows that you've done some miracles, helped a lot of people, but there have been all kinds of people all through the centuries who have come and gone that have done miracles and have been all of these kind of things. And so they're kind of just shooting off to the Lord all the, the hearsay that's going through the crowds at that particular time. And it's sad, but even today, as we begin to consider who Jesus is, many devaluate him. Many devaluate Christianity by thinking somehow or another that Christianity just has to do with teaching somehow it's just another philosophy 
There are some people who have reduced Christianity down to just a self-help program, just sort of a moral way that we could live our life. It's It's a good ethic. If you're a Christian, you ought to have a good ethic by which you should live by. And what happens is, is that they miss the true meaning. They miss, they miss what it's all about when it comes to Jesus and Christianity as a whole. And he's asking us the same question because until we get this question right, nothing supernatural, nothing transformational, nothing miraculous is going to begin to take place in our life. So the first question you've got to respond to is this, who do I think Jesus is? Who do I think he is? Do I think, do I think he's just a prophet? Do I think he's just a teacher? What do I think about him? I've heard people say this for years. They've often said, well, you know, he was was a good teacher who had good precepts and a good philosophy. Can I just share this with you? If a good teacher and a good philosopher said the things that Jesus said, we would lock him up. I mean, he declared himself to be God. He declared himself to be equal with God. Think about that for just a moment. If someone walked around in Charleston, South Carolina and said, hey, I'm equal with God. I, as a matter of fact, I am God. I mean, we would look at him and go, roll our eyes and say, hey, you know, MUSC psych unit for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's time to lock you up. Understand right now, who do you say he is? Is he just sort of the leader of a, of a program that helps us live morally or ethically? Because the question and how you answer it will truly tell you whether or not the kingdom will begin to work for you. Peter says... At one of the high moments in his life, he says, you are the Christ. Everyone else is saying this, but I will declare you are the Christ. Literally what Peter was saying was this. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. Listen to me. When he said, you got to get what he's saying right now and how it would just reel everyone that would have heard that. He says to Jesus, you are the yoke breaker. You are the burden lifter. You're the disease healer. You're the problem solver. You're the oppression breaker. You're the demon deliverer. You're the captive releaser. I mean, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. I don't even know if Peter fully understood or he fully got all that he was saying at that particular moment. But nonetheless, there was something that happened in his inner man that got a revelation of who Jesus was, and he began to confess that thing out of his mouth. And as he confessed that thing out of his mouth, I don't know, it may have made his brain go tilt. It certainly did later in the chapter. And Jesus heard that confession that came out of Peter's mouth. And he said that out of that confession, Peter, out of that revelation that you just got, that you spoke that no one else seems to be getting, but you spoke this out of your mouth, out of that confession, there are two important things that I want to tell you will take place. Two critical things that are going to take place, and you need to write these down, because when you get a revelation, when you get a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done, there are two things that Jesus says out of his own mouth that will begin to happen in your life. The first thing is this. He says, hell itself will not be able to stop the people of God. He said, you get this revelation, and you may think all hell has broken loose in your life. Is there anyone else but me that's had all hell break loose in their life? I mean, I I would suspect everyone at some time in their life could say, you know what, I'm, I'm living hell. I mean, hell has broken loose in my life, and this is what the Lord says. If you can get this revelation, you may feel like you're going through hell, 
and I don't mean to be indelicate, but there are times life is a lot like hell, but there is an answer. And he says, if you'll get a revelation of the Christ, the Son of the living God, it can be different. If you'll get a revelation of what of who Jesus is and what he has done, it can be different. This stuff can stop if you get that revelation. So write that down. Hell will not be able to stop the people of God. Now here's the deal. Remember what I said. There are those that will say right now, then why am I living it? Well, we're going to answer that. We're going to answer that. Secondly, he said this. He said you would have the authority to bind and to loose. He said, if you can get this revelation, you will have an authority to bind and to loose. You would be given an ability to stop certain things, and you would be given an ability to access certain things in order that you might become more effective in the life that you're living. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment, and uh, forgive me because it may sound like I'm belaboring the point. But I'm going to stop here for just a minute because I want the Holy Spirit right now to begin to stir in your heart. I want the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you, and I want to give him just a moment or two to really work on us. Because if you are tired this morning of being defeated, if you are tired this morning of being full of hurt and confusion, if you're tired this morning of torment and bondage and ineffectiveness and lethargy, and apathy, if you're tired this morning of the roller coaster ride that your emotions put you on, if you're tired of being disappointed with people, if you're, if you're tired of, of, of always seeming like Christianity and your faith is up and down and all around, if you're tired of being ensnared, if you're tired of, of seeming like you're this, this buoy out in an ocean and the waves are coming here and there and that you're always the one getting knocked around, if you're tired of all of these things, then you need to listen to me. You really need to lock in because if you drift off this morning and you go back out into that ocean and just get knocked around, it won't be anyone else's fault but your own. Listen to me for just a few minutes. Listen to God as he begins to work in your heart. Because this is what needs to happen. This is what Jesus says you need. He says you need a revelation of the cross. Now that seems simple, but bear with me. A revelation of the cross. Many people miss the entire point of the story. I've, I've preached these passages. I've heard people teach from these before. And I've, I've heard them sort of read it to about verse 19 or 20, and then they'll stop. But you've really got to read everything that I read to you this morning in order to get what Jesus was trying to communicate. Peter got a revelation that the Messiah, Jesus, came to die on a cross in order that we might prevail and have victory over everything the devil or the flesh throws in our direction. Now, if you don't believe that, you just have to keep reading to verse 21, and once you begin to read verse 21, you begin to see the context because all of a sudden Peter spoke the revelation, and now Jesus says, now that the revelation is out there, I need to make sure you're getting instruction as to what this revelation of the Christ is all about. So Jesus begins to clearly tell them what it means to be the Messiah in verse 21. And before he taught them, Peter got that revelation in his spirit. Now, isn't that cool? Peter gets a revelation in his spirit before Jesus even begins to teach him. Now, this is the key. Listen to me. I can teach you, teach you, teach you, teach you, teach you, teach you. But until something becomes revelation to you, you'll be taught to death. 
It's, it's, kind, it's kind of like our school system. You can send our kids to school, send them for 12 years. And they went to school, and the teacher taught, and they graduate, and they can't read. And we say to ourselves, what's the deal? They went to school, the teacher taught, why didn't they come out right? And, and we can debate all the issues that go on in the public arena, but that's a good analogy of what happens in church. It isn't because of lack of preaching or lack of teaching. I teach, 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 teach. I mean, we just teach. In fact, sometimes folks will say, you teach too long. And I know that. I mean, but, and if teaching could fix you, we, we'd be fixed by now. But here's the key. Not so much getting taught something again, but there needs to be a revelation that ignites in your heart. There needs to be an unveiling that comes to where you're not just getting in information but suddenly the light comes on have you ever had that moment where like you've gone through life and you've heard something and all of a sudden the light comes on and it's like i get it now you know what i heard that a thousand times but now i get it that's what happened to peter first before the instruction ever came uh, to him and so it was out of that revelation knowledge that jesus says because you now have this revelation not that you got teaching. Now that you have this revelation, you'll be unstoppable. Hear me. The reason we've not been unstoppable is because we've been taught, but we've not got revelation. We've been instructed, but it hasn't, it hasn't been unveiled in our hearts. Are you with me? Are you really with me? Come on. It, I mean, we, we, we hear sermons, but we get the hell kicked out of us. Excuse me. That almost sounds, but it's true. I mean, we've been taught and go to church, but it, it seems like we can't overcome our, our feelings and our emotions. We can't overcome circumstances. We can't overcome. Why is that? Because we've been taught, 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 taught. I can hit the internet, get teaching. I can get a tape series, CD series. I watch Christian television. I'll get the videos. I'll get it all. We just absorb, 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 but we still get kicked. Why is that? Because we are taught, but we don't have revelation. So Jesus says, you, don't, you haven't even been taught yet, but you got revelation. And once you get that revelation, you can begin to be unstoppable. Now turn to 1 Corinthians. Bear with me here for just a minute. 1 Corinthians 1.17. Listen to this. This is what Paul says. Now understand, these people moved in the Spirit. They had uh, the gifts of the Spirit. They did a lot of supernatural, wonderful things at Corinth. But listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17, he says this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, listen, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. In other words, I can teach, 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 teach. And you know what? I can teach you to the place where the cross is of no effect. He says the message of the cross, verse 18, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, who are being made whole, who are being delivered, who are being empowered, who are being victorious who are overcoming, to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you understand? The cross is the power of God. He says, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. Bring to naught the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach what? Christ what? Yeah, we, pre we preach the cross. 
Now, now, let me just say, you can preach all kinds of wonderful, wise things. You can preach all sorts of wonderful, deep, revelatory things on all sorts of subjects. But he says this. He says, ultimately, if you want to overcome, you've got to get a handle on the cross. He says to the Jews, to the religious people, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul says this. I not only know that the cross is my, is my uh, place of redemption. I know, I know all, that I, I will be forgiven there, but the cross is the place where I begin to be healed. The, the cross is the place where I'm delivered. The cross is the place where I find my freedom. And we need to get that revelation of the cross if we want to do what they did. We need an unveiling from the Father if we believe we're to be destined to be unstoppable. Do you want to be unstoppable? Would you like to be effective? I do. But we're going to have to get a revelation of the cross. This is interesting. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, this is what he said. He said that I may know him. Now understand, it's been, it's been years. I mean, we're over at least a decade now that he has walked with the Lord. And he says in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. Well, the first question is you'd want to say to the Apostle Paul, you don't know him? Now that's not what he's saying. You know, if I walked through here and I said, do you know the Lord? I, I bet we probably have a 99% yes response rate. I know the Lord. But, but stop for just a minute. If you were to ask me, do I know, jo uh, do, do I know George W. Bush? Well, I, I've seen him enough on television that I could almost say I know him. But do I know him? I don't know him maybe like I know my wife. And we begin to play little games with our words and our vocabulary. But Paul says here, he says, I want to know him. I need another revelation of him. Why? Because I need to know the power of his resurrection. In our flesh, I'm just here to tell you folks, especially in our circles, because in our circles we talk a lot about victory and power and overcoming. And, you know, if I were to preach about, you know, God wants to prosper you and he wants to give you a better car and a better house and he wants to grant you land and money and all those kind of things, you know, resurrection power, yeehaw, be healed, be whole. I mean, we love that stuff. We'll shout and holler and all the rest. But Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but he goes on to say what? And the fellowship of his sufferings. Oh, Man, now I didn't know that was in there, did I? We want the resurrection power part, but he says we've got to understand what went on on that cross. And Paul said that he needed a greater revelation of what took place on the cross. Now, why is that so important? The reason is because the cross provides everything you need for your total victory. We need to see this again. Listen to me. Do you understand that there was a moment, Jesus, in that whole crucifixion narrative, that those Roman soldiers, out of, out of their mockery and their debauchery, decided they were going to press a crown of thorns over our Savior's head, and they got those thorns, and they, they pressed those thorns and shoved them into his forehead and into his brow, and because of the way the face is constructed, it can bleed easily, and all of a sudden, that blood just comes out so easily out of his face, and his face would have had to have literally turned blood red, and they would laugh and as, they, as they would put those thorns into his head, and you know the 
story, and, and we really probably don't talk about it as much, but let me just put this into the equation. The Roman soldiers thought that they were doing something that was causing him to be debased and, and humiliated, and the whole time they're shoving in those thorns into his brow, they didn't realize that that thorn was canceling every lofty thing and every high thing and every speculation and every torment that would ever come into our minds. That blood was canceling arguments and jealousies and insecurities and torments. I mean, think about it as they're shoving the crown into his forehead. It was breaking off contention and strife. And all of that was canceled. That blood canceled every argument in my mind. We hear a little Sunday school story, we go, yeah, that's cool, that's great, yeah, he really did pay a big price. But you got to get a revelation, those thorns went in him to make my mind whole. His blood soaked everything the enemies tried to throw at me. They tell us, if it be true, that there are a hundred million people in America who will admit, at least, to some form of depression. Now, those are just those that will admit it, but I'll bet if I asked everybody in this room, have you ever gone through a severe, significant discouragement that you might even label depression? You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm even wondering if you couldn't put 300 million on that. That's how many people at least admit it. You've got to begin to get a revelation that when nails were put into Jesus' hand, that at the moment they went through and all the pain and the agony that was there at that particular moment, it broke your grief. Are you hearing me? The pain and the sorrow that you carry when those nails went in, it broke those things. His wounds cleansed our guilt. It cleansed our traumas. The Bible says that when he bore the stripes on his back that literally cut him up like a piece of hamburger, and, and we can't hardly watch that. If you were to watch Mel Gibson's The Passion, it, it just becomes almost too unbearable to watch. But the Bible says that as those slashes hit his back and he was turned into a piece of hamburger, you get a revelation of that, and all of a sudden you realize that every piece of skin that was ripped off and every drop of blood that came off that broke and healed disease and infirmity and wounds in my life his heart was literally pierced do you know this that there at the end when when it was almost over and he said it is finished and and the soldier took the spear and it speared him and all of a sudden the heart gushed blood and water you've got to get a revelation of that and understand that when his heart was pierced with that sword that your broken heart could be made whole but that's not going to happen if you don't get a revelation of that it will not happen unless we begin to have our eyes unveiled and we begin to, once again, be open to the revelation of the cross. And I know we preach it and we teach it and we talk about it, but folks, there comes a moment when you got to get before God and you say, open my eyes that I might see, that I might know you in the power of your resurrection and also in the fellowship of your sufferings. Why do you think Paul said, I die daily? I thought... When I read that again, I thought to myself, if Paul had to die daily, my Lord, what does that mean for me? Like hourly at least. I die, I die hourly. I mean, if Paul had to die daily, how much does that mean you'd have to die? You ever meet people that when you see them coming, you just want to turn and run? 
I mean, I, they're, just, they're just folks. So you see them coming and you just, you just want to run. Why is that? Because they just, they just do something inside of you that just causes all the bad to come out. They, they are just called by God to bring to light everything that's yet untouched by the cross in your life. And then something will happen and you'll say, well, Lord, I, I'll try to help them. I'll, I'll try to interact. I'll, I'll try to, to reach out. And so you'll try to do that. And sure enough, you, you tried, you prayed, you did all that you knew to do. And true to form, they'll say something or do something that will cause that old man just to, just to rise up again. I don't know about you. My flesh is a lot like evil Knievel. It doesn't matter what situation it's in. It'll resurrect itself out of anything. I mean... I mean, that's just the flesh, isn't it? About the time you think you've dealt with the flesh, all of a sudden something happens and he, he rises again. Your flesh can rise out of any situation at a moment's notice. You wonder why you need a revelation of the cross and why you must die daily? You'll never go any farther than you are right now. You never will move any further. You won't. I'll just tell you right now, you won't go any further until you get a revelation of the cross. You know how you break a spiritual plateau in your life? You got to get a glimpse of the cross again. You know how you press through into a new season? You got to get a revelation of the cross again. How do I see an open door come to pass in my life? How do I get a little fresh air on my situation? I need a little perspective. Then you need a revelation of the cross. But as I share this with you, I, I want you to know that the cross isn't always vogue. It, it, it isn't always popular and not everybody gets it. And as I mentioned earlier, I've got a hard time processing Matthew 16. I mean, I, I really do. I don't, I don't understand how Peter, after all he knew and got a revelation of, could, could nudge, nudge up right there next to the Lord and say something just as incredibly stupid as he said as Jesus was teaching and saying, Lord, I, I don't know that this is what we want to hear right now. Far be it from you is what he said. Think about it. Jesus is teaching on the very thing that will produce their freedom. He is teaching on the very thing that will produce wholeness and completion, that will set them free, that will bring them into a new day, that, that brings provision to every area of your life. He's teaching on these things, and Peter gets up next to him, and he says, Hey, Lord, hey, Lord, this stuff that you're sharing right now, come here. I want to help you out. This doesn't mark it real well. Don't talk about this. I, I mean, you, you keep talking about this, people, people are going to think you're too negative. I mean, Lord, let me just say, we love you. Don't misunderstand, Lord. We love you a lot. And, and I'll be the first to admit, sometimes you'll teach, and some of your teachings are a little hard to understand at times, and you even mentioned that some of us wouldn't get it right away. But I can tell you that your stories go over big. So if I were you, I'd just keep telling the stories. And I know you've been healing folks, and then you've been telling them not to tell anyone. And, and we, we're really for that, because that way, you know, that won't spaz anyone out, or it, it won't make anybody, you know, sort of flip out because you're doing things that no one else can do. And so, so, so you know, we'll, we'll get by with that as long as no one's saying anything. But you need to understand that the Messiah elections are coming up. And there's this guy down there in southern Judea. He's running for Messiah. And there's another dude up north, and he's running for Messiah. And so there are, there are at least several people we know of that are running around wanting this Messiah position. And if you're going to win, 
And of course, if I'm going to be a right-hand guy. But if you're going to win, then you need to just sort of tone down. We can talk about this after the election. You just sort of need to cool the cross stuff. We need to keep the message positive. It's not good for generating, you know, momentum. We need to keep the momentum running here, man. I mean, Lord, I was in the fishing business, and I can tell you what I've learned from my years of being in the fishing business, that I've learned from my customers, because we took surveys and we took polls, to never mention anything negative, and if you just keep it positive, they'll keep coming back. So, Lord, I'd really suggest that we just sort of do that, and you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll probably press through to everything all of us had ever hoped. That sounds like America to me. You just don't hear about the cross because somehow or another we're, we're afraid the cross will offend someone. Well, you know what the Bible says? That's true. It will. And what has happened is, is that, that we've developed a, a whole system of doing church where no one is offended, but everyone walks up still bound. They're not offended, but they're still sick. They're not offended, but they're still tormented. They're not offended, but they still are fleshly. They're not offended, but everybody is still screwed up. We're addicted and we're powerless. We are broken and we are wounded. We are oppressed and we're hurting. But thank God we're not offended. Hallelujah. We want to find somebody that will always tell us what we want to hear. We want somebody to tell us that we're okay. And you know why we're always looking for someone to tell us we're okay? Because our consciences are killing us. It, the conscience is killing us, and we want someone to tell us that we're okay despite what our conscience is telling us. And do we understand the only thing that can cleanse a conscience is the blood? The blood. And Jesus exposes this. This is what is, let me, don't be, believe me, you, you can be irritated, but you can just go ahead and be irritated at the Lord. Because he exposes this whole mentality when he looks at one of his disciples, this guy that gets up close, that had it all together, and spoke out such a wonderful revelation. He exposes the root of this thing when he looks at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. Wow. That's a rebuke. But do you understand anything that obscures the cross is satanic at its root? Are you hearing me? Anything that obscures the cross. Satan doesn't want us to hear the cross. He doesn't want us to know about the cross. He doesn't want anything to do with the cross. It is because the cross rendered him impotent. The cross rendered him null and void. The cross, it was the cross. It was the blood that broke the bondages. It was the cross. It was the cross that took care of all of his instigation. It was the cross. He doesn't want you to know anything about the cross. You say, well, pastor, then what keys do I receive when I, when I begin to get this revelation? Well, you begin to receive authority to bind and to loose. Now, this is the part you got to get into your spirit. Satan has no authority over the born-again believer. He has zero authority. He has no authority. If you're born again today, I'm here to tell you, he has no authority in your life. The verses are too numerous to even quote. 1 John 4 and 4. If you don't have any other verse memorized, you ought to memorize this one. It says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. But the sad truth is, the enemy seems to exercise a great authority over people, 
And I find it fascinating. He exercises it over people who say they love and they worship God. And the reason is because the foundation of your authority is in the revelation of the cross. That's where your authority comes from. Your authority isn't just generated because all of a sudden you said you know God and love God, but you've got a revelation of the cross. That's what took place in Matthew 16. Thou art the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're all those things that the Messiah would be. I got a revelation of that. Therefore, I have authority. And there are two uses of binding and loosing that I want to share with you in the last few moments I have. Many of you have heard teaching on binding and loosing before. But I just want to share these real quickly because I'm going to give you a key right now. Once you get this revelation of the cross, I'm going to give you a key that will enable you to see God move more consistently, effectively in your life. Binding and loosing. You know, we've heard traditionally that binding means to sort of spiritually chain. If you bind something, we've heard that you kind of spiritually chain uh, oppressive things, oppressive spirits from working in your life. If you were to loose, it means that you would release certain aspects of righteousness or godliness. For instance, I might bind the enemy. I might bind the spirit of confusion. I might bind the spirit of error, whatever dark spirit that would be. And I might lose joy. I might lose peace. I might lose hope. And so we've heard that many, many times. And that all that is valid. All of those things are certainly valid when it comes to binding and loosing. But I also want to show you just a couple of things that sometimes get overlooked. And it's on the screen up ahead already. That to bind also means... And you need to write this down. It means to knit, to fasten, to wind up like yarn, to bind oneself by word or prayer. Now, I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. To bind means that, that not only can you bind that which is evil away from you, but the Bible says that you can begin to bind that which is good and that which is righteous to you. Now, this is what you need to understand and we're going to go through some verses guys did you did you put these verses down proverbs 3 3 if you've got it go ahead and throw throw that up there good proverbs 3 3 says this it says let not mercy and truth forsake you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart so what does it say here it says that you can bind mercy and truth in the name of jesus i want to bind mercy and truth on my life it says that you can do that throw up proverbs 6 Verses 20 through 22 says this, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. You know what that sort of speaks to me as I read that? That you can almost like go to bed. And if you go to bed and you bind those things which you've been instructed, that wisdom that came from God, all those things that are good and righteous and valid, you begin to bind that around you in order that that would begin to prevail in your life. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 3 says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Can you understand that when you get a revelation of the cross and you see all that Jesus provided, he provided your healing, your deliverance, he broke oppressions, torments, high, lofty things, speculations, arguments, all the things that we could talk about. Do you understand that you get a revelation of that and then you begin to say, I bind, I bind wholeness to my mind in the name of Jesus. See, that's when authority comes and that's when effectiveness comes. I bind, I bind the breaking of the curse. I bind the wholeness, the blessing to my life in, in, in Jesus' name. 
In fact, it says in Isaiah 61.1, if you have that one, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, my version says heal, but it's interesting that some of your versions, it will say he has sent me to do what? Bind up the brokenhearted. What does that mean? How do you bind up the brokenhearted? It means you've got to wrap something around them in the name of Jesus that will cause that broken heart to become whole again. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to opening of the prison to those who are bound. So, so you need to begin to, to bind things to yourself. I bind truth. I, 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 bind, I bind all the fruits of the Spirit. I, I, I bind these things to me. I understand what Jesus paid a price for. I've got that revelation now. I bind his provision to my life. The second word is loose. Throw up loose here for just a second. Loose is an interesting word. It means to break up, to dissolve, to melt, or to destroy. Once you get a revelation of the cross and what Christ provided, the full implication of his power, you begin to loose yourself from strongholds and patterns of your life. Come on now, let's not be naive. If you are constantly doing something you know is causing a problem in your life or in those around you, then, then wake up and understand, I need a revelation of the cross. I need to see what Jesus has broken for me, and I need to begin to speak a loosing to these areas. I loose my negative thinking in the name of Jesus. I loose it. I, I, I loose a bad confession. I loose that spirit of pride. I loose that, that, those thoughts of lust. I loose them in the name of Jesus from me. Don't just keep coming and saying, well, I don't know why I always face this. I always face this stuff, and I guess, I guess the prayers of everybody that's praying for me just aren't powerful enough. And I guess I might have to go to another church and try someone else there. Maybe they got more power to lay hands on me and take care of this. Why don't you arise and put your confession in action and say, in the name of Jesus, I loose myself from this trash because I've seen he carried it all. Amen. You got to begin to bind yourself to the will of God, to the mind of Christ. If your mind starts going down a track that you know it don't need to go down, then you need to bind it back to the main highway. Bind it to truth, bind it to joy, bind it to peace. Turn to Matthew 18, 18. Oh man, I can't believe I'm almost done here. And look at the time. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. He's almost done. All right. Amazing. See, your prayers are working. Some of you took that confession stuff last week, took it home, said, Lord, I speak. He's going to be shorter in the name of Jesus. How about that? It's working already. Matthew 18, 18. Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, whatever. Everyone say whatever. 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 You know what whatever means? Whatever. You're all Greek scholars right there. I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, in the spirit realm. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now you say, how can that be? Whatever. How can that be? How can that really happen? I mean, whatever. You're, you're talking about whatever? I mean, I can throw out some pretty wild whatevers. You mean to tell me that, that, if, that if, I begin to, if I get a revelation of the cross and I enter into that and come into agreement with someone else that has a revelation of the cross and we enter into a whatever moment, you mean whatever works? I'm just telling you what it says. How many of you know when Jesus died, every whatever was touched? If you don't believe, read Colossians 1.18. 
It said all things were created by him and for him and through him all things, all things, all things are redeemed back to him. All things. That's whatever. That's the whatever. All things. Whatever. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, whatever. Whatever shall be done. You need to remember that when you hear and you see what Christ has done, if you if, if, just read Isaiah 53. I will not read that for you this morning. Isaiah 53, it says it all in such a, a great picture. But when you begin to hear and to see what Christ has done, he carried our sorrow so I can have joy. He carried my grief so I could laugh again. He carried my wounds. Can I just tell you, if we all got together and compared our wounds We'd all think our wounds were the greatest wounds that ever had happened. But can I just tell you this? That no matter how deep, how painful, how great your wounds may feel or really be at this moment, he was wounded for you in order that you might be whole. He became sick and diseased in order that you might be healed. He took upon your sin in order that you might have righteousness. He took upon all those oppressions that you might be free. And I don't know how you would define it in your life, but whatever, whatever, whatever I bind on earth will be bound in the spirit realm. Whatever I loose on earth will be loosed in the spirit realm as well. Well, whatever, whatever. Now, here's the deal. You've been taught that. Some of you know that. And you'll say, oh, I know that. Great. Is it working? And if it isn't working, then I'll just suggest to you what's been already put in my heart. I need to go back to the cross and get a revelation. I, I need to get my eyes opened again. It just can't be this little theory precept it's 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 got to be it's got to be soaked in the revelation of the cross will you stand with me please for just a moment everyone stand thank you lord holy spirit i ask you now in this place to begin to just work in your people right now begin to unveil in their hearts lord the power of the cross begin to unveil in them right now i pray all that you have accomplished and provided for us. Lord, I pray, I pray that they couldn't escape the thoughts. They couldn't escape the picture of the horrific, beating crucifixion. All that took place. Lord, as terrible as it is to ponder. Lord, I pray right now that somehow that would cause revelation to come to our eyes. That we would understand that you, you paid, you redeemed you bought back, you ransomed, you atoned, you did everything we needed to have done in order that every whatever of our life could be addressed. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you bring us to that moment. Bring us to that moment, I ask. Lord, I don't pray for an, just an emotional, it may be an emotional thing, but I don't pray just for emotion. I pray for a depth of revelation in every person here that they could say with the same conviction like Peter of old, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Begin to work that in our hearts right now. Lord, I cry out. I cry out for me and I cry out for this people right now. Lord, that you would grant us a revelation of the cross. That you would unfold in this place the magnitude of what the cross has provided. That, Lord, the cross would be the center of all that we do. It's our only hope. It's the only answer.
it's the only solution. Lord, let that be unveiled even today in a brand new way. I pray that that power would begin to just come upon each and every one, Lord. That as we begin to enter in and as we begin to make our declarations, as we put our words to our faith, as we begin to speak that which you've revealed in our heart, that, Lord, it would not just be our, our charismatic, full gospel ritual, but that, Lord, it would be energized with the life of God. Lord, I break the spirit of religion even over those of us that have been walking in the things of the Spirit for a long time. Lord, we've just, we've just developed our own liturgy in some ways. We've just become sort of arrogant and haughty and and we've just been walking in this so long, we've been there, done that, and we think we've got the t-shirt, but it ain't happening in our lives. And if, Lord, if only we knew, if only others could know what happened when we closed the door and we went home and no one else was looking around. Lord, we're defeated and we're burned out and we're discouraged and we're depressed and the flesh just rises up and we are a mess and it's out of order. And Lord, I pray now that the cross, the cross be put in the middle of it all. And let a divine dose of revelation and order come in order that we might see true victory birth in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanks right now in the name of Jesus. I want to just lead you right now. I want everybody just to join me. And I want you to pray. I'm just teaching you now because what we do here this morning, you're going to have to do when you go home. What we do here this morning, you're going to have to begin to put into practice in your life. I can't follow you around 24 hours a day. You're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to walk in the things of the kingdom and in the things of God. You're going to have to decide whether or not Christianity is going to be more than a Sunday morning program, but is it going to be something that has, has effect and value 24 hours a day, seven days a week in your life. Nobody's going to catch up to you and somehow look in on you and see if you're doing it because the only one that's affected whether or not you choose to do that is you yourself your defeat while it is while it is certainly I'm sympathetic for your defeat I can't do anything about it only you can arise and do something about it I'm sympathetic about the hurts and the wounds and the oppressions and the bondages I can be sympathetic but you alone are the only one that can arise right now and decide I no longer want to live this way I've, I've just learned, and I don't know how I got off the course, but sometimes it seems like I spend more energy trying to get people free than they want freedom themselves. So I've just sort of determined I'll love and I'll, I'll sympathize, but if you want to be free, you've got to determine in your heart that's what I want for me. I'll love and, and I'll proclaim, but I can't get free for you. I can't get healed for you. I can't open your eyes for you. I'll do my best. I'll do whatever God asks of me to do. But ultimately, it's going to be you as to whether or not this works. And you arise. Because I'm here to tell you, I have to arise. Tracy has to arise. Clay has to arise. Tyler had to arise. We're going to teach Kaylin how to arise. We're going to let people know they can arise and it can be different. But you've got to embrace that. So let's do this together. I'm just going to teach you. This is how you can do it. And you can just repeat after me if you would please. Everyone, in the name of Jesus... I bind my body, soul, and spirit to the provisions of the cross. I bind my will and emotions to the will of God. I bind my mind to the renewing power of God's Word. So my thoughts will be God's thoughts. I bind my feet to paths of righteousness so I will navigate 
life steady and sure. I bind my life to the work of the cross with all of its power, all of its love, all of its grace, all of its cleansing. In the name of Jesus, I loose every old, wrong, tormenting thought. I loose all speculations and lofty things in my mind. I loose and I destroy and I tear out every stronghold associated with these things. I loose every deception and every lie of the enemy assigned against me and moving in me. I loose myself from all confusion and double-mindedness. I destroy, in the name of Jesus, the effects of every curse, all inner vows, soul ties that are trying to manipulate me. And I bind the strong man Satan and his attempts to obscure the cross from my eyes. I loose and I destroy his influence and every device he may try to instigate in my life. In the name of Jesus, I am free because of the cross. Hallelujah. Come on now, give the Lord a big hand. I am free. Come on, you, you got you to say it. You, you got to begin to speak it. Say, well, I've done this before. It isn't but about Monday afternoon, and here I am in the same predicament. Well, you know what? That's why Paul says that we have to wage war. We have to fight the fight of faith. I mean, we didn't just kill the devil. How many understand? We didn't kill the devil right now. I mean, he's still alive. He's still well, going about seeking whom he may devour and roaring sort of like a lion. And he'll come up to you and he'll say, oh, well, we'll see. You bound and lose some stuff. We'll just see. Knock, 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 knock. And when he knocks, you go, excuse me, I done bound you. I've loosed you. You may knock, but you ain't coming in. Are you with me? I mean, and you say, well, how, then Tuesday, knock, 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 let me in. Don't you let him in. Wednesday, knock, 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 don't you let him in. Let me tell you, you will reach the place, just like with anything. I mean, there was a time. I mean, I, you, you first get saved, and, and you'll have people knock, knock, knocking at your door in order to get you to go, you know, do your drugs and do your drinking and do your stupid stuff that you were doing, and they'll knock, 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 and you just, you wage war with that long enough, and they'll quit knocking. Now, I won't deny there'll be a knock for another door in your life. Always is. Because we just human beings. But I'm here to tell you, you got to start to arise and begin to put your mouth to something that's positive and that's, that's God's word and begin to implement some things. And it'll begin to happen if you'll be diligent to do it. Amen. Now, I realize it's, it's hard for all of us. I get, I get sometimes snagged and pulled back into something. And then all of a sudden it's like, wake up. Wake up. It can be different. Shake it off. Get your confession right. Get going again. Amen. I'm just telling you, those who survive, just survive perhaps, and those who thrive are those that get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. It's not that it won't work for you. God is no, the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. What, what he works in other people's lives, he will work for you if you will implement what he says to implement. I want to do one other thing while we're here. I want everyone to say with me in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bind 
every oppressive spirit that has been sent against this corporate body. We bind its influence. We bind its power. We, we, we bind its subtleness. And we say we are loosed. We are free from the enemy's hold in the name of Jesus. We bind to the congregation the truth of God's word. We bind joy and peace and strength and power. We bind wholeheartedness and passion towards the things of God. We thank you, Lord, that we will be in victory. We bind to ourselves as the people of God a victory mentality, a conquering mentality. And we loose every negative thought, negative confession, every word curse. We loose it. We loose it. We destroy it. In the name of Jesus, we declare as the people of God, we shall prevail and be triumphant in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord another hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says that if any two agree, if any two agree as touching it on earth, it'll be done in heaven. Now listen to me. I, I know there's at least two of us. More than that, I, I'm aware of that. But there's at least two. And I'm just here to tell you that, that we're going we're gonna to arise and nail that stuff. And you know where we're going to nail it? That's where you nail that stuff. That just Some of the silly, stupid stuff we do as Christian people, it needs to get nailed. Just right there, nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Everyone say that. Say, I'm going to nail my junk to the cross. Say it one more time. One more time. I'm going to nail my junk to the cross. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, Lord. I pray right now, I pray that you just move upon us right now in a very special way in these last moments. Thank you, Lord, for a good day. Thank you, Lord, for those that were baptized. Thank you, Lord, for, for just a good spirit and how you're producing good fruit out of the provision of the cross. Lord, now I just pray if there are those that have never made public confession and need to just make a public profession of their faith, Lord, I don't know that they haven't made decisions in their seats. I don't know. I don't know where anyone is. I don't know that years and years and years ago they took a walk down an aisle and made a decision. But I, I am aware right now that there may be those in the congregation right now that have drifted from you and they've not walked with you. And they've been nothing more than the enemy's punching bag and life has been defeated. And they've wondered, could it be any different? Does God really love me? Does he want to work in me? And I know right now there's the cry that's going out right now of, 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 of alienation and, and lostness. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would work. Your job is only you can do it. I've got nothing to do with this. It's all up to you. But as we're standing, Lord, we want to give people opportunity to put some things in motion. Holy Spirit, do your job. Thank you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if right now you find yourself, if you would say in all honesty as you walked in here this morning, you know my heart is distant from God. It's been hard. It's been alienated. 
I've been, I've been in sin. I've been in rebellion. I've just, I've distanced myself from God, and I've got no one to blame but myself. The Lord is reaching out to you right now. The reason you're here this morning is to hear about the cross so your life can be different. And I'm here to tell you, we, there's no judgment cast. We, we, we just believe that's the best decision you can make is to come to the cross and just, and just say, I need to make a public profession of my faith again. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up real quick and, and hold it up there. Don't just don't do it real quick, but I mean, just get it up there. On the count of three and just say, that's me. That's me. I, I need to get back on track. I, I'm not right with God. I want to be right with God. And we call people in just a moment to, to do that publicly. We do a lot of things publicly because if you'll do that in public, Jesus will do things for you in public. So don't resist him. Work with him right now. Cooperate with the, with the Holy Spirit. Cooperate with God. If that's you right now and you just need to get your heart right with God before you go on the count of three, just lift your hand right where you are. You don't have to move. Just, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Wow, thank you. Put your hands down right now. I'm not going to come chase you. I, I, I saw you, and that's all that has to happen. But if you would for me, just consider this for just a moment. If you raised your hand, 75% of the battle is acknowledging your need for God. That's 75% right there. You're three-quarters of the way to where you need to be. We aren't going to embarrass you. I'm not going to run you down later. I'm not going to say anything to you. But right now, I, I just want you to have opportunity to do what the Bible says. If you'll confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father. If you'll deny him before men, he denies you before the Father. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. In just a moment, I want you just to slip out and join me. And everybody in this place will cheer, and they will, they will just go crazy for you. Because we want people to know that we want God's best for you. All right, one more time on the count of three. Don't think about it. Don't think about what someone's going to think. Don't think about what are they going to do. Don't think. Get your brain out of it for just a minute. Just, just bind th that power of the brain. Loose yourself from it. That's, and just for a moment, go with your heart. Go with your heart into something brand new. I want that for you. God wants that for you. Do you want that for you? On the count of three, just, just do it. Just come up here right with me. All right? One, two, three, move. Just move. Just move right now. Just move for me. Just move for me right now. Will you do that? Just move for me. Just move for me. God bless you guys. Everybody pray with me right now, especially those of you that are gathered right here. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, thank you today for talking to me. You're so faithful. And I present myself on the basis of the invitation to declare my love for you. I confess right now all my waywardness, all my sin, and I come to the cross. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart he was raised from the dead. And by that confession, salvation's working in me. It's raising me up 
Resurrection power is coming to help me prevail. I anticipate victory. And thank you for talking to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him another hand right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I'd like to do. We do this right now. And ladies, always, ladies, just slip over to connect real quick. And guys, if you just go to Disciple, I have a couple of my guys. We're going to pray one last time. You won't, it won't take you two minutes. But if I get the guys just to go under that Disciple banner, and the, and the ladies can go this way, and, and you're going to be prayed with for just two more minutes, and then you're, you're released. I promise. All right, remember, folks, bind, loose. This is the rudder of your life. This is what will cause you to find him moving in your life when you bind, when you loose, whatever. Father, I pray right now for this people. Lord, I believe you're calling a people to do incredible things for you in this city and in the earth. I thank you right now, Lord, that you are causing victory to enter in in a brand new dimension, a brand new way. Lord, I pray right now that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you would impress and brand and, and keep inside of them everything they need in order that this week, Lord, might be a demonstration of the victory you brought to us on the cross. Thank you, Lord. We receive that. Glad for it. Thank you for opening up our heart and our eyes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Give the Lord one last hand clap. We'll see many of you in the middle of the week. If not, we're going to see you next Sunday, and it'll be a great day in the house of God next Sunday. So hug some necks, shake some hands, fellowship. God bless you. God loves you. We'll see you next week.